so thankful to be in God's house tonight. I'm so thankful to be part of this house. Now, it would be pride and arrogance to think that we are the only house in the valley, only house in this area that God is doing things. But can I tell you, you're here tonight because you believe, just like I believe, that this is a place where God's presence shows up. People have an opportunity to encounter the one true living God. They hear the word of God preached. They feel the presence of the Holy Spirit. And they can leave this place transformed and changed. Amen? Amen. In fact, if you're here tonight and it's been six months or less since you started coming to this church, maybe your first time guest tonight, but, but you've been attending uh, King's Chapel Wasilla six months or less, would you just lift your hand all across this place? I want to see who you are. Come on. Give, come on. Amen. I have a word to preach in just a moment, but I have a word for all of you that have been here six months or less. Many of you were on a journey and you were desperately asking the Lord, show me where to go. Some of you were on a journey and it was a different journey. You weren't on a journey with the Lord and yet somehow you ended up here. Whether you were seeking the Lord and searching for the Lord and you ended up here or you were running from the Lord but somehow... You wound up here. Can I tell you, you wound up here because you're supposed to be here. And the Holy Spirit says, I have placed you. The Word of God talks about, Paul said, and, and this is for you, I want you to hold on to this. Paul says in his word that, that like precious stones, the Lord is the one that builds the house. And he places the precious stones in, on top of the foundation. And that foundation is Jesus. That foundation is the rock of our salvation. And when he brings you into a house, it's not a small thing. When he called you here, when you showed up here, when somebody dragged you here, when you came kicking and screaming, but left different when you, but then when you got here, it's because God was setting you in this house. And when God sets you in his house, when God sets you in this house, all the blessings of the Lord are yours. All the power of the Holy Spirit is yours. All the gifts of the Spirit are available to you. Don't say, I've only been here six months. Don't say, I've only been here three months. Don't say, I've only been here three services. If God has brought you here and you know that he has set you here in this place, this is the house of the Lord that you are supposed to be in. And you begin to walk in that. You begin to declare that. You begin to thank him daily. Lord, I'm not searching for a place to belong anymore. I have found a place. Amen. Come on, give the Lord a hand clap of praise tonight. I remember the, day, the, the service that the Haggerty family walked in. Ten years ago, 11, something like that, nine or ten years ago, we walked in. We came in the back and sat in the back, back over there. We'd never been here before. I'd heard about the church from Hawaii that used to meet in the tent. And a, and a good friend of ours said, you guys ought to go check it out. So we came. And we sat back there trying to just be inconspicuous, trying to just slip in and just be there. And, and, and this bald-headed guy that was up here, uh, he, he was preaching, or he was just welcoming everybody. And he looked back there, and he told me later, he said, it was like a light from heaven was shining on us. And he called us out into the aisle, and he prophesied over us and prayed over us. And then he took it a step further. He showed up at our house the next day. Come on, because he's a pastor. And what can I say? We've been part of we've been part of KC, part of KC family. We're serving, have served on staff uh, with with 
Pastor Daniel, Pastor Karen, and then the Lord directed us. We went off and, and pastored, but the Lord brought us home. I'm so thankful that he brought us home. I'm so thankful that he set us back in this house. I'm so thankful that he's given us opportunity to once again be a part of what God is doing here. And let me just put a little plug in real quick. Uh, beginning um, soon, as soon as we get all the material together that we can begin to advertise it even more, uh, my wife Jan and I, we, uh, we have taken over the leadership and direction of King's School of Ministry. We are greatly looking forward to that. Because I love to preach the word, I love to teach the word, I love to impart the word, I love to share the word, because whatever the Lord has done for me, he wants to do for you. How, whatever he's revealed from his word to, to Jan and I, he wants to reveal to you so that you can be set free, so that you can advance, you can move further. And there are people in this place, there are people in this house, there are young adults in this house, there are, there are older than young adults in this house, there are, there are mature saints in this house that you were called in the ministry, you were called to a deeper walk with the Lord, you were called to, to a greater uh, understanding of his word, King School of Ministry will be for you. And the Lord has given us some goals. He's given us, a, and it's not because of numbers. Listen, listen. I, I don't. I, if we never get published in in anything because we have so many people, it's not. That's not my goal. That's not our goal. Our goal is to see people's lives transformed by the power of the Word of God as they study to show themselves approved unto God, rightly dividing the Word of Truth, not ashamed. Amen. So that's the commercial. Why don't you stand with, with, with us as we read the word tonight. They're going to put it up on the screen. I'm actually going to be reading from uh, at least our, our text. John chapter 11. Go ahead and turn there. John chapter 11, verse 43 and 44. Now, John chapter 11 has got a great story, but I'm, going to, I'm just going to use as a text just two verses from that, uh, from the New Living Translation. Um, amen. When you're there, say hallelujah. All right, John chapter 11. Verse 43 says, then Jesus shouted, Lazarus, come out. Verse 44, and the dead man came out, his hands and feet bound in grave clothes, his face wrapped in a headcloth. And Jesus told them, unwrap him and let him go. Father, thank you for the truth of your word tonight. Thank you, Lord God, for the opportunity that I have to share your word. I just pray, Holy Spirit, that you would soften our hearts to the truth of your word. You would open the eyes of our understanding that we may understand the glory of the goodness of God in all his fullness tonight in your name. Amen. You can be seated. What a great time to be part of the kingdom of God. What a great time to be alive, church. What a great time to be experiencing the move of the Holy Spirit and the awesomeness of his presence. As I went through, I was laying hands in agreement with people over the prodigals in their, in their lives, in their families. I, I, I sensed, I said, I sensed a hunger. People in God's presence just hungry for God to do something. Man, it's a great time. Some people might even say that it's the greatest time to be alive in the history of the church. Now, still others might say, well, you know, Pastor Barry, if you only knew what I was going through, then you might not say those things. And to that, I would ask the question. Are you really going through fill in the blank? Not like you're lying, but rather, are you going through whatever it is, or have you camped out there? See, Psalm 23 says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. And a little bit later on, it says, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Sometimes we get it backwards. 
The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And I walk quickly through his blessings, and I walk quickly through the green pastures, and I walk quickly beside the still waters, not giving him a chance to restore my soul. And when I get to the valley of the shadow of death, I pitch a tent and have a pity party and stay right there. So my question tonight is, if you're going through something, are you really going through it? Or have you camped out there? Because you don't need to camp out there. You need to go through it. You need to keep going through whatever it is you're going through. Because as you go through it, uh, step by step, the Word of God says that His mercies are new every morning. The Word of God says that by, by faith, he, we are increasing by glory and glory upon glory. So as we walk through it, as we go through it, holding on to His hand, trusting that He said you're going to go through it, you're going to learn something about God. You're going to learn something about yourself. Your faith is going to be strengthened. There's going to be a resolve that's established in you. So I'm encouraging you tonight. Don't stay camped out in whatever it is, circumstances, problems, or situations. Because it's a great time to be part of the kingdom of God. It's a great time to be part of what God is doing on the earth, in the earth, in Wasilla, in the valley, in the state of Alaska. It's a great time, church. Let's review real quick from the last time I preached. I preached, uh, for, I talked about Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7, as, and I called it the bylaws of the kingdom. The Lord has really been stirring my heart about the kingdom, about being part of the kingdom. And, and last time I preached, I walked you guys through what normally are called the Beatitudes. And actually, we discovered that night that not only are they the Beatitudes, but they are the steps upon step, upon step, upon step to enter into the kingdom of God. God wants us to enter into the kingdom of God. It's not his will that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. He's the, he's the one that came and made the way so we could enter into the kingdom of God. And when we enter into the kingdom of God, as we take those steps, we're poor in spirit, understanding. We, and I'm not going to preach the whole thing again, but, but I had somebody tell me I never saw the Beatitudes that way. That was one of the best messages on the Beatitudes I've ever heard. And I said, well, thank the Holy Spirit. But as we are poor in spirit, that's how we enter into the kingdom of God, recognizing our need, that we need God, that we can't do it on our own. If we don't ever, if we don't ever get to that point, we'll never get in the kingdom. But once we get in the kingdom and we advance through those steps that are laid out in the Beatitudes, uh, then, then we will understand that we should begin to see the works of the kingdom being manifest in our life. We're not just joining a club. We're not just getting a merit badge. We're not just getting a patch to put on our shoulder. We are entering into the kingdom of God, and the kingdom of God is advancing, and the gates of hell cannot prevail against it. There is no power of darkness. There is no force of the enemy that can stop the living, breathing, alive, anointed kingdom of God that is advancing. And we should begin to see the works of the kingdom manifest. And that brings us to the story and the text. And as they put up there, our, uh, thank, thank you, media team. I just told them what the title was today, and they created that slide. The title of the message tonight is The Lazarus Generation. And that brings us to our text, because I love the story of the Lazarus. I love the story that's found there. I love all the stories in the Bible. I believe that Lazarus and his situation or condition and his resurrection is extremely powerful because it reminds us that it ain't over till God says it's over. It reminds us that God can do anything. 
It remi- Amen. It reminds us that God works in the dark. Psalm 18 talks about the fact that God covers his, his arrival on the scene to protect and to fight for his children. He covers them with clouds of darkness. God does work in the dark when it doesn't look like anything's happening. This story reminds us that God does work in the dark. It reminds us that man's impossibilities are God's opportunities. Oh, y'all are getting with me tonight. Woo, come on. It teaches us that God is not glorified by our sin or our sickness or our disease, but he is glorified by our deliverance. He is glorified by our healing, and he is glorified by our salvation. Can somebody say amen? In our story, word comes to Jesus that Lazarus is sick, but Jesus waits two days to really do anything about it. Now, if you understand the character and the nature and the heart of God and his, his attributes, it could have easily been 12 years like the woman with the issue of blood. Or 38 years like the man at the pool of Bethesda. The point I'm trying to make is time doesn't matter to God. It doesn't matter. He is outside of time. And the point is it doesn't matter how long or how wrong or how strong the stuff in your life is. It's all the same to Jesus. The same power that will heal you of a headache will drive cancer out of your body. The same power that, that heals a pulled muscle will drive demon, possess, demon uh, opposition out of your home. After two days, Jesus said, okay, now let's go wake Lazarus up. It's interesting. Jesus didn't even say, let's go see, let's go see what happened because he's dead. He says, no, let's go wake him up. He's saying he's asleep. I'm just going to go wake my friend up because as far as God's power is concerned, there is no difference. Somebody here needs to hear that today. Your case is not too hard for Jesus. Your situation is not too difficult for him. Somebody tonight or somebody's tonight, you've been feeling that, Lord, this is too hard. I'm here to tell you tonight, have faith in God. It is not too hard. It may be too hard for the doctors. It may be too hard for the counselors. Nothing wrong with doctors. Nothing wrong with counselors. Understand, I, I've, I've shared this before. My wife, is, as a profession, is a, she's a medical professional. Do you know that, I mean, sometimes we don't think this way. Do you know that there's never been a cure for a disease that man came up with on his own? No scientist, no doctor, no, no chemist, no biologist ever discovered. The cure for polio wasn't randomly just discovered. God released it from heaven. God works through the medical profession. God works through counselors that are honor him and, 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 are, and understand and, and recognize the power of our faith in God. But even if they say the case, the, the case is too hard, can I tell you, the great physician, Dr. Jesus, he says, I will take your case on. He is our healer. He is our provider. He is our everything, church. That's one of the things that the story of Lazarus tells us. Another thing it tells us is it's never too late. It's never too late. Church, I'm here to tell you tonight, I'm here to encourage somebody tonight, don't give up, never give up, never quit, never quit praying, come on, never quit profess, confessing, never quit praising God, never quit believing in God, you're closer than you think. I don't know how many words Jan and I have received that have said it's just around the corner. It's just over the bend. You're going to top the hill, and it's going to be right there. So when you get that word, hold on to that word. When you read the miracles that God does in, the, in, in Scripture, hold on to that. When the Holy Spirit sparks it in your life and he says, don't quit. Come on, don't quit. 
Because that's what he does. He encourages us. Because our miracle is, we're just, we're right on the edge of it. And the story also shows us that sometimes God is, he delays in answering our prayers. Why? So that he alone will get the glory. That's what Jesus said. They asked him and he said, no, this is done so that you will understand, so it will be manifest, so that you will believe. Now for many years, I've heard it said by the church and by youth pastors and by young adult leaders, uh, you know, that they call this, uh, this, call this generation the Lazarus generation. Because Lazarus, at face value, represents a hopeless cause, an irreversible situation, a condition beyond repair, that which has gone beyond the hope of no return, and that which from all natural evidence is dead and buried. And that's what, it, and that's what is meant when they rolled the stone across the door of the tomb. It meant it's over, it's past, it's decided, it is what it is, and it's never going to change. But can I tell you something? The Holy Spirit said that may be how man views it. That may be how society views it. That may be how culture views it. But I want it, the Holy Spirit said, but you need to tell the people tonight, uh, <laughs> you can't look at the story of Lazarus and just end it at the tomb. Because it didn't end at the tomb. And your situation doesn't end at the tomb. Your life isn't destined if you'll trust in the Lord and you'll surrender to the Lord and you'll call on the name of Jesus and you'll listen for his voice as he speaks to you. Your life isn't destined to end in some dead, dry, barren, never, nothing happening life. The whole message of Lazarus is one of redemption, of resurrection, of healing and wholeness and delivery. At the voice of Jesus, Lazarus is raised from the dead. <laughs> and the end becomes a new beginning at the voice of Jesus. Where death had reigned, life begins again at the voice of Jesus. And that's the message that needs to be given to what is known as the Lazarus generation. God's not finished. That's the message for some of you tonight. God's not finished. God's not done. I know you're a first-time visitor tonight, and I'm so glad you're here. But that's God's message to you. He's not done. He's not done. It is not over. The one you've been praying for, God has heard every prayer. He's heard every cry at night. He's seen every tear. And it is not over. Time does not matter to the Lord. He is doing things behind the scene. So be encouraged tonight. It is not over for that one. And it is not over for you. Amen? Come on, give the Lord a hand clap of praise tonight. God's not finished, church. Somebody may look bound. They may be bound. They may be depressed. They may be oppressed. They may be totally stressed. They may look dead. They may act dead. They may look like they're beyond hope. But can I tell you, at the sound of his voice calling their name, the dead are raised. Listen, when you've heard Jesus speak your name, you will never, ever, ever forget it. There is something about the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords saying your name. Sometimes he says it in a whisper. 
because that's the only way he can get your attention because there's so much bombarding you. There's so much loudness. There's so much static. There's so much other voices talking, and all of a sudden in the middle of it, you hear the voice of the master whisper your name. And when you do, man, it catches your attention. And he whispers your name because he's trying to tell you something. He's trying to bring you out of something. He's trying to raise you up out of something into something even greater, something you've never thought of that you could ever experience before. And when you hear the voice of Jesus call your name, you will never, ever be the same. There is just something so utterly awesome when you hear him speak your name. I want to tell you this Lazarus generation, in fact, all people, they are not unreachable. They are not beyond hope. But the answer is not found in religion, church. It's not in philosophies or traditions of men. It's not in our ideas. It's not in, Christi- in churchianity, speaking Christianese. Just like Lazarus, they need to hear. Those that are dead need to hear the voice of Jesus. John chapter 5, verse 25 says, And I assure you that the time is coming. Indeed, it's here now. When the dead will hear my voice, the voice of the Son of God. And those who listen will live. Amen? One of the sad things today is there's not a lot of places where the voice of Jesus is being heard. I don't mean this critical, it just, Paul instructs us in the word, we need to be on guard, we need to be aware. Peter said, be sober and be vigilant. And I, and I love that we got all our youth in here. Uh, uh, come on, come on, young people. Don't quit, don't quit going. And I love that we got all our kids in here. Come on, I've seen God move on the power. I've seen the power of God move on children, lay hands on people, and, and, and healings take place, deliverance take place. They're not too young. To understand and respond to the presence of the Lord. And I, I'm, I'm so glad that, that we're all here tonight. And I, I don't mean this critical, but I want, us, I want us to be aware. Peter says, be sober and be vigilant. And, and I always translate that to my kids. Don't be stupid. We have an enemy that's going around like a roaring lion. And another passage, it says that enemy is described as an angel of light. And Paul said, there's coming a time when it, if it were possible, the very elect could be deceived. We need to be on guard and understand and know the truth of God's word that it's not philosophy, it's not some idealism, it's not some graceism that everything is all good and God loves you no matter what and you can do whatever. It's not that's not what is is that is not I got to slow down. That is not what is going to raise people from the dead to life. Jesus didn't come to make bad people good. He came to make dead people live. And take it from somebody who was a dead man walking around. I am so glad he did. I am so glad that he has made me alive. I am so glad that the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead can quicken me, quicken my body, quicken my mortal body, and raise me to new heights in the Lord. When Lazarus hears the voice of Jesus, he is resurrected. When those that are dead spiritually... Walking around not knowing that they're dead. When they hear the voice of Jesus, they will also be resurrected. But let me just throw a little, let me just throw a little uh, advice from a 53-year-old. And they might get raised from the dead and have green hair with tattoos. 
and piercings all over their bodies. And they might even rise from the dead and not sure whether, whether, what, you know, what their identity is. But the church needs to be ready to loose them. Because see, understand, church, and this is where our part, this is where we come in. After Jesus said, come out to the one who had been dead. Lazarus, it says, he shouted, Lazarus, come out. Come out of the grave. Come out of your deadness. Come out of your situation of no life. When he said that, and here comes Lazarus out of his dead situation. And it says he was bound. And it says he had a, he had a grave cloth over his, over his head, a headpiece, and he was bound. And he stunk. Because he, I mean, they even said, Lord, he's been dead three days. Surely he stinketh, King James says. But you know what? When, after Jesus said to Lazarus, Lazarus, come out, he turned to his followers. He turned to the believers. He turned to the disciples, the church, and said, loose him. Get those things off him. Get those dead grave clothes off of him and set him free. And church, that's our responsibility. Listen, if we're going to proclaim, if we're going to do what God has called us to do, if we're going to advance the kingdom of God, God bless the hearts. God bless the hearts for their ministry in leading people to go out on the streets, go out into the highways and byways and compel them to come in. But if we're going to do that and people are actually going to come to life, they're actually going to get resurrected out of their deadness, they may not look like us. They may not act like us. They may not know the right words. They may not know what to say. But all they know is, I once was dead, but now I am alive. I once was blind, but now I can see. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Because guess what? That's how all of us were. Amen? I'm a witness. I got to tell you, my life, when, when, and, and I'm not going to share my whole testimony again. I've shared it before. But when I walked away from the Lord, when I walked away from my family, when I walked away and said, I'm doing my own thing, God, I'm done. And I did that because I was so bound and wrapped up in, in secret sin, secret to people, not secret to God. He's, he knew all the time. He knew every time. But I got to the point where I just couldn't, I couldn't deal with it anymore. So when I walked away, I walked away. Now, it might seem like a small thing to you, but I grew up in the Southern Bible Belt. My grandmother was one of the four founding members of the, my home church in Memphis, Tennessee. I, I, I wore tie. I had suits. I did the whole, went to Bible college. Met my wife there. Continued in the ministry. I was, I was licensed to preach with the Assemblies of God in 1987 and ordained in 1989. The youngest at that time in the district or state of Tennessee to be ordained with the Assemblies of God. I mean, I knew how to do church. I knew how to do the formula. I knew how to share. I knew how we had our youth group, our youth ministry was thriving. And I was dead inside because I had stopped listening to the voice of Jesus. I was listening to my own voice and I was listening to the voice of other people, some well-meaning. But it, nothing, none of that will take the place of the voice of Jesus. And so when I walked away, I mean, I got rid of the tie. I, I, I had my hair, when I had hair, it's naturally curly, and I grew it long. I'm talking southern mullet, long, and, and, and I, I pierced my ear. Nothing wrong with that. That just wasn't me. 
So when I walked away from God, man, I walked away. I started wearing, and again, nothing wrong with this. Please hear me, hear what I said. He said nothing wrong with this. I'm not saying anything wrong with long hair. If I had it, it might still be long. But it's, it's going away back here, and the more it does, I'm, I'm going to catch up with Pastor Daniel. But I started wearing, I mean, where, whereas before I would wear a suit, I started wearing jeans with hole, with rips in them in the knees and cowboy boots and going and doing all kind of stuff. In fact, I went so far that the only thing that never happened to me, I didn't end up in jail and I didn't end up dead. So that Sunday night in Raleigh Assembly of God in Memphis, Tennessee, when I went to church because a co-worker said, I need to go to church. Do you know one? And I said, sure. He said, would you go with me? Okay, and so we were in the balcony, and when, get this, the pastor of that church was the man who laid hands on Jan and I when, we, when I received my ordination, and he's preaching, and at the end of that message, he gives that uh, altar call, and I begin to hear the voice of Jesus speaking to me. Listen, I stunk. I was dead. I was on my way to hell. I had walked away from God. I had walked away from my family. I had walked away from everything that I knew, trying to live my own life. And every, at, at every turn, it was disaster. And my life began, was getting more and more and more dead. And that's why I tell you I am so thankful that night that I heard the voice of Jesus again because he didn't, he didn't have to speak to me. I had mocked him. I had been less than a man. He didn't have to talk to me, but he did. And I'm so thankful that he did, but I'm even more thankful, brother, that I listened and I obeyed. Because that night I stood up when the altar call was given. And I, you, again, those of you that heard my full testimony, you know that, that I, I, I took off running. Now my friend Jimmy, he stood up too. And he beat me to the altar. And I got about about even with that front row at that church. And I don't know if I tripped and fell, if I dove, it, I don't know. Because all I know is I was face down in the altar, snot everywhere, bawling my eyes out, couldn't believe that God was giving me another opportunity, that he was willing to redeem me again. Hey, he, had, he, had done, he had already paid the price, and he was willing to offer me forgiveness. And you know what was so, even more so amazing? When I repented, he accepted my repentance because he's a good God. And that's what he wants is for people to hear his voice and respond so he can raise them up and bring them out of that deadness. So church, we need to be creating an atmosphere. We are, but we need to continue. We need to be creating an atmosphere that those that are called out of their deadness, those that are called out of their spiritual grave and are brought called to light, that we don't look at them in judgment, but we come alongside them and we put an arm around them or we put a hand on their shoulder and say, man, I'm so glad for what Jesus is doing in you. Can I help you? Can I show you the way? Can I, can I, can I be of assistance to you? Because dead people may not look like us, but we all were dead at one point. And I'm so thankful that those of us that were dead, we're not dead any longer. We are alive in Jesus. We need to create an atmosphere that allows Jesus to call people from the, from the dead. We have, to, we have to have enough love and compassion, the love and compassion of Christ, to look, look beyond their past. 
and equip them for their destiny. Amen. If the church is not able, and I'm not just speaking of us, I'm talking about the church of Jesus Christ. If we're not able to do that, then we become irrelevant. We become a social club. We become a, a, a get-together. We've got to be able to help people be, that are being saved, because that's the key. We're being saved. In case you didn't know, we are being saved. Paul said, you got to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. You know that when you accepted Jesus, when you offered your repentance to Jesus and he accepted your repentance and you asked him to forgive you of your sins and you believed in your heart because we confess with our mouth and believe in our heart unto salvation. And when you did that, that at that moment, you became saved. But guess what? You are being saved daily. I am being saved daily as I walk out my salvation in fear and trembling. And ultimately, when I can, as I'm walking out that salvation and the Lord either calls me home now, I, I, may, I may be short-sighted. Pastor Daniel's believing for 120 years. I just want to be, I, I want to see 100. I want to see the century mark and be relevant. Amen. I don't want to see the century mark and just be, I can't function. I want to see the century mark and be relevant. Still preaching, still laying hands on people, still believing in people, still calling forth their destiny. But as I continue to walk out my salvation with fear and trembling and the Lord calls me, I'm just going to keep walking and I'm going to walk from this world into the next world of, of, of eternal glory. And at that point, guess what? I will be completely saved and so will you. Salvation is a daily walking it out, working it out, allowing God to work out what's on the inside to work it out on us. And if we as a church lose sight of that, we become irrelevant. Huh. I'm not talking about endorsing a, a lot of weirdness. Look, God didn't say to me, to you, to anybody that's ever started on this road of salvation, clean yourself up, become a certain way, and then I'll accept you. No, he took us just as we are, but he doesn't want us to stay that way. And he doesn't want us to use grace to say that it's okay. Well, it's God's grace. No, it's called maturity. It's called growing up. It's called walking forward. It's called advancing. Because guess what? If something isn't moving forward, there is no neutral. It's, it's going backwards. Whew. Now, I want to wrap this up because I want God to do some things that he wants to do. I want him to be allowed the opportunity to do some things in people's lives. But I'm going to wrap this up by taking this story up to the next level. So far, we've seen that the story of Lazarus teaches us that it's never too late, that we don't ever give up, that there is no circumstance or situation that is beyond God's power, that every one of our impossibilities is nothing but opportunities for God to show forth his goodness and his great, strong, mighty power. I pray sometimes, Lord, come on. I pray, Holy Spirit, come and show off, show off to your people. Display your power. Show your power, Lord. I'm going to take it to, to, to the next level. I, I think if, if we were honest about it, we can also see that Lazarus represents a church that has fallen asleep. Maybe a little spiritually lifeless. Maybe things are dormant. Maybe there's not as much power as there used to be. Now, y'all got quiet on me. Lazarus was sick before he died. And so as I, as I kind of wrap this message up tonight, I, I want to say as not only have I tried to encourage you tonight, but I want to give you a word of caution. 
Be very careful that we don't allow ourselves to become sick. Because if you become sick spiritually, it's gonna, it, 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 there's only one direction it can go. Unless the Lord heals that. The church has to be on guard and not become sick. We have to be on guard and not become sick. And how do we become sick? Well, there's some examples that we find in the word. Israel is a great example of it. The, the nation of Israel, the Jewish people. They became sick because they mixed with the other nations around them. They became sick because they took on the culture of the world around them. Instead of being culture changers, they were culture chameleons. God has called you and I to be culture changers. Listen, it's time that the world begin to figure out what to do with us. Oh, some of you didn't hear me. It is time for some of your coworkers, and I'm not talking about being haughty. I'm not talking about being filled with pride. I'm not talking about, because the Bible says it's his kindness that led, leads us to repentance. I'm talking about simply that we just do not compromise. In the face of opposition, we do not compromise. In the face of, of, of persecution, we do not compromise. Remember when I led you through the Beatitudes and one of, one of the last ones, it says, Blessed are you when men revile you and speak evil against you and persecute you for my name's sake. That's the last step into the kingdom. Once you've gone through all the other steps, you're not going to care what they say. You're not going to care when they revile you. You're not going to care when they persecute you because you've sold out. Lazarus got sick before he died. We got to be on guard, church. We got to be on guard that we don't allow sin of any kind to invade our lives. Listen, I've said it before and I'll say it again. And, and Micah, if you could come to the keyboard, please. Sin will take you places you never thought you'd go. Sin will cause you to do things you never thought you would ever do. You'll end up looking like someone that you don't recognize because of the effects of sin. Sin is like poison. And John the Baptist wasn't wrong when he said, Behold the Lamb of God who comes to take away the sin. Not sins, the sin of the world. Because John the Baptist was talking about the fact Jesus wants to get to the root. See, there's some, there's some fruit that grows in our lives that are sins. And you can maybe prune those by covering them up by decorating them by excusing them but if you never deal with the root if you never let the Holy Spirit get to the root of the problem those sins are going to keep coming back why do you have to keep cutting your grass during the short summer months of Alaska because of the roots now you don't want to cut I, I got some neighbors I guess they don't want to cut grass because they don't have any because it's nothing but rocks and gravel. And I actually know people that do that. They'll landscape their property with the majority of it rocks and gravel because they don't want to deal with the grass. Well, when they do that, it's because they got the roots out. There's no grass roots in the ground to grow. But every once in a while, because they didn't get all the roots out, popping up through that gravel, popping up through the parking lot asphalt is a blade of grass. Now we're talking concrete and rock and bedrock. How does that get up through there? Because it's got a root. And the same thing's true in my life and in your life. If there's a root of sin in our lives, 
We can cut the leaves off. We can, we can curse it all we want to. We can claim all we want to. But if we don't let Jesus get to the root and get that root out of our lives, it's going to keep growing. We can say it's not there. We can deny it. We can say, I don't know what that is. I've never seen that before. And we know in, our, and we know in the secret place in our heart, we know exactly what it is. I had somebody during that time when I was running away from the Lord, they said to me, you know, you were a preacher, you were a youth pastor, you were, you were anointed. I, I heard one of your sermons. What are you doing now? How do you, how do you and God deal with that? I'm like, God and I don't talk about that. Well, I cannot talk about it all I want. And it's growing and it's growing and it's growing. And see, that's how I ended up in that state in the first place. I debated on whether to, to say this, and I'm just going to thro throw this out. Things that are done in secret, when you think, and I'm not just talking to men, okay? Because you can look at statistics. Things that are done in secret, things that when you think nobody is looking, nobody is aware, it is planting a seed that will become a root. And when it becomes a root and it continues to grow, it will become a stronghold. And when it becomes a stronghold, brother, sister, it is hard to get rid of. You can, you can try. You can swear to the Lord. You can swear on a stack of Bibles. You can ask for prayer every service. And you can swear, I'll never do that again. But until you allow the Holy Spirit to do a work in your life, and it starts with hearing the voice of Jesus speak to you and put his finger on that thing, until you allow the Holy Spirit to get in and get that stronghold by the roots and rip it out, you're in for a struggle and a battle. Because I lived it. But glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, I just can't thank him enough. He reached down. And he pulled that sucker out. And I'm on guard. I'm on guard. I got to tell you, there are things I will not do. There are things I will not watch. There are things I will not... I, I, the accountability people that I have, they know my password. They know how to look at stuff to see where I'm going because I ain't never going back to that life again. And you know what? I can guarantee you Lazarus didn't say, thank you, Jesus, but maybe I'll go back and be dead again. No, he was thankful. He was thankful that God called him, that Jesus called his name. And when he came out of the, out of the grave, he was thankful that there were some brothers and sisters there who helped get those grave clothes, grave cloths off of him, get that deadness off of him. And they had a party. They had a celebration. Stand to your feet. Church, there is good news tonight. There is good news for those that are dead tonight. There is good news for those that may feel like uh, after tonight, after this message, they realize they've been get falling asleep. There's good news tonight for those after this message that realize I got some sickness. All it takes is hearing the voice of Jesus and responding to him as he says, come out of that. Come out of that deadness. Come away from that deadness. Let me get that root of sin out of your life. And we're going to deal with that here in just a second. But church, brothers and sisters in the Lord, if we're really going to do this, we got to make room for those that were dead.
but because Jesus called their name and they heard and they responded, there's a spark of life again. We gotta make room for them. It might mean they don't, that you don't get to sit where you normally sit because all of a sudden somebody who doesn't look like you and doesn't smell too nice and you've never seen before is sitting where you sit. Bless them in the name of Jesus and find another seat. And then pray and ask the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, how, will, how can you use me to help them get that deadness off of them? All across this place tonight, if the Holy Spirit has been speaking to you as I've hopefully done my job, and you realize there's some things you need to get right with the Lord, and I'm talking maybe you've been saved. Listen, I, at age five, my dad was a pastor. At age five, I would sing little children's church songs in front of the entire congregation. I knew how to walk the walk and talk the talk. And then I stopped walking the walk and I talked the talk a whole lot. But I was in church. For me, Jan has said numerous times when we met and started dating in college, for me, going to church was like brushing your teeth. That's just what we did. For her, at age 13, having never heard the name of Jesus, that he would save her until age 13 in America, in southern Louisiana, growing up, and finally somebody at age 13, when she was 13, told her, Jesus loves you and he'll save you and he's got a plan for your life. And she believed and she got saved. For her then, man, it was life. So tonight, I don't care how long you've been in church. I don't care how long you've been walking with the Lord. If you've got something in your life tonight that you need to make right with the Lord, I'm going to pray over you, and then we're going to open these altars. Listen, I'll get down to Kasilov when I get down to Kasilov. The rest of the staff is like, oh, boy, what does that mean? We're going to let the Holy Spirit do. We're going to let the Holy Spirit do what he wants to do. Bow your heads all across this place. Holy Spirit, I thank you for the truth of your word. Holy Spirit, I hope I have done my job tonight and presented your word in a way that would challenge people to never be the same. And right now, Holy Spirit, I believe there are battles going on, battles of the mind, battles of the heart, because I've been there. Holy Spirit, you're wooing, you're drawing people back to you. You're drawing people to that place where they're hearing your voice and that root of sin is being pulled out of them. I declare tonight every person in the sound of my voice, those that will watch this online, listen to the podcast later, I declare tonight there is healing and salvation found in no other name but the name of Jesus and he is calling you tonight and you have the opportunity tonight to make whatever it is right with him. So Holy Spirit, I pray that as people all across this place are confessing what you already know, are asking forgiveness for what you already know they need forgiveness of, are asking to be cleansed for what you already died on the cross for, Jesus. I pray the miraculous power of the Holy Spirit would begin to transform them and change them and pull that root out of them. And now as we open these altars tonight, as Minister Micah plays, why don't you step out from where you are and just come and find a place to, to 
listen, I grew up in the assemblies. We called it tarrying, waiting on the Lord. Do you have to come forward? No, but there's less distraction if you do. Step out from where you are. Come, come down front and just, just begin to tarry before the Lord and allow Him to speak to your heart. I'm going to ask some of the staff and prayer team and ministry team to come and just begin to agree with these. And if you feel led, ask them what they need prayer for. Come on. Come on, as these are coming, listen, if, if, if you've never accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you need to do that tonight. This is a great opportunity. If you've, if you've repented of your sins before, but you've drifted, this is a great opportunity to come home. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Come on. Mike is going to sing something. Worship team. Just lead us. And just let the Holy Spirit deal with you tonight. We'll have an official dismissal in just a moment.
got about four and a half to five more pages of notes. Maybe this will be a two-parter, I don't know. But I just was flipping through it and felt the Holy Spirit stop me at something that he told me. (laughs) Some people, when they're faced with their circumstance, some people, when they're faced with the reality of their deadness, their response is, but God, can I tell you, flip it. It shouldn't be, but God, it should be, but God but God. (laughs) God loved you and I too much to give up on us. God loved you and I when we hated ourselves and everyone around us. He came right to that stinking grave, that stinking sepulcher, that stinking cave that had a stone rolled over it and by the world standard it was said it's done and over. He came right to that. He came right into our mess. God's not afraid of my mess your mess, our mess. Our mess doesn't stop God's love and our mess won't stop God's power. Some of you, you came into this place in a mess and I'm trusting and believing and have faith in the power of the Holy Spirit that you're leaving this place without your mess. But you're leaving this place with a message. And that message is, there is a God. And he is well able. And his son Jesus called my name. And I heard his name. And I stepped out of that grave. When he called my name, I ran out of that tomb. (laughs) Woo, thank you, Jesus. Come on, let's sing that one more time. Oh, what a Savior. Oh, what a Savior. Lift your hands one more time across this place. Isn't he wonderful? Sing hallelujah. Christ is risen. Yes, Lord. Before him. For he is for being here tonight. Those of you that are visiting for the first time, we call you our guest and we mean that. If you don't have a church home, I know a real good one. But we're so glad you're here. Thank you for being here tonight. Thank you for allowing me to minister the Word of God to you. I trust and believe that you got something tonight. 
and you'll never be the same. Let me bless you tonight as, as we're dismissed. Father, we thank you tonight. Lord, I pray for your people tonight as we leave this place. Lord, I pray that you bless them and keep them, Lord God, that you make your face to shine upon them. Lord, that you, you turn your face towards them, that you're gracious to them, Lord God, and you give us peace, Lord. Peace that passes all understanding. In the matchless name of Jesus, amen.